Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt and Frenchie are joining me. We have plenty to discuss this week at Spa. Gentlemen, how we doing? I'm good. Doing pretty good. Ready yeah. to talk F1. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like first I got to get your guys' thoughts on your first Xbox League race last night. Uh, I finished first. Frenchie finished on the lead lap, and I couldn't scroll down far enough to find where I, Mike actually finished. So, how'd you guys? How did it go for you guys last night? Just, just so you know, I did finish seventeenth, so it was only one, one spot out of twenty, Frenchie. and yes, yes. three people retired. Two, two retired. Two people. So you two. beat one person. Yes. Good job. Uh, it's, it's, Give it's, me too much credit. I was only one spot in front of him. It's oh, sad whoever geez. I whoever I beat because I spun easily sixteen times during the race last night. I will say, in Mike's defense, that the game is not easy to adapt to. I just adapted to it literally before I left for my vacation. So, And also, I didn't know I was racing because of some, you know, I, I for those wondering, I had texted Matt over the weekend, I don't think I'm going to be able to race Monday. And then come Monday morning, I figured out I would be able to. And I didn't know if I was going to be in the race because of you know everybody who's like a part-time member who got pumped ahead of me until like 8 47 p.m so i i wasn't particularly yeah, ready in any capacity your best friend mason lost power yeah i feel i feel so bad that that little twerp <laughs> lost power last night <laughs> yeah well then thanks to mason we had to dodge you all night so thanks mason and then frenchie uh you were a front runner in the the P- PS League, so was it just a couple spins or whatever that got you to? Yeah, I think I won the championship one of the years of the PlayStation League, but that might have been because I actually completed all the races, whereas the people who are much better than me had other things to do instead of playing video games on Monday night, and so they didn't show up as often. <laughs> what? <laughs> but, uh, it, yeah, it just seems harder on the Xbox. Yeah, I think I might be the new game. The new game's going to take a, a little bit of getting used to. So I yeah, I, I lucked out and won the race, but uh, it couldn't have. I, w- I was telling everybody I was not really looking forward to the season because preseason I crashed every three laps out of a five-lap race. So bounce back. But uh, speaking of bouncing back, Max Verstappen won this weekend at Spa. Uh, so congrats to him. I think it's his 15th career win. Uh, none more important for this championship battle. George Russell, what a result. P2, wow. congrats to George. And then Lewis Hamilton finished third. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo got his best finish of the season. Uh, Nicholas Ciatifi makes it a uh, back-to-back <laughs> double Williams points. You know, Lance Stroll and Sergio Perez could have done better. 
second to last and last. Nikita Mazepin, congrats on on his first career fastest lap of the race. I don't mean, yeah, there was a lot of fans at the track. Overall, it was it was an impressive sight. So, what do you guys think of the kind of the first lap battle there between the field? Was it a was it a tooth and nail kind of? You know, are they going to make it through the first turn, or what do you guys think? I just want to first point out the fact that over the last two races, Valtteri Bottas has zero points and Nicholas Latifi has seven. And regarding that first lap battle, it was one of the least epic rain battles of all time. Bert Mylander looked really good out front. <laughs> he was on it. That he did. Can I point out that uh, Alfa Romeo has like 0% chance of now getting anything other than ninth? And the constructors just because of these last two races. Yeah, they you know, Williams Williams made out like a bandit at, at this weekend at Spa, and Alfa Romeo did not. Well, I don't know how long we can keep this going without bursting into laughter. Yeah, it's hard. I'm really. It's really hard. Right now. It, I uh, yeah, it's it's really. I mean, where do we start? Now that we put our serious caps on and like end this bad joke. Professional uh, pants. Yeah, well, I guess we could segue from one bad joke to the other. How on earth is there not a contingency plan for a track that is known to have flooding to what I just can someone can one of you two explain to me maybe I'm just being ignorant but how on earth there wasn't just a Monday race I mean I, there's regulations but like what the f- does that actually mean at the end of the day The the only thing I can figure out which is very little because it's over 48 hours later and I'm still incredibly confused about what I sat through for five hours on Sunday morning is okay there's marshals who are volunteers just like any track marshal at any track across the world they're all pretty much volunteers they have day jobs just like any of us so they can't marshal there's you know, the F1 circus you know all that the the stuff in the in the garage area and all the hospitality stuff is much more difficult to transport on a short turnaround than IndyCar, NASCAR, IMSA, etc. That being said, that's like the only like that's the only like two logical sentences I can make because they were still only going they're only going to the Netherlands this weekend, which we'll talk about later. Which means it's I think somebody said it's either 191 or 391 miles. I forget the exact distance between the two but it's essentially from driving from my house to mid-ohio it's it's not it's not really that far in the grand scheme of things so man i i i i have thought about it for two days i have talked to people for two days about it and i don't know if i'm any less confused about what i saw i did that drive with you from mid-ohio and from your house and and that was pretty torturous so i don't know if i blame the f1 paddock for not wanting to uh is that because of me or because of the drive? I'm going to get oh. the question out there for Matt. Uh, I mean, I was just mostly on my phone. You didn't even let me drive. So I think it was just more boredom of kind of sitting <laughs> in the passenger seat on the roads in western Pennsylvania and Ohio. That's fair. I would only let you drive if I was super tired in his defense. Oh, I'm not trusted based on yeah. uh, the performance last night in <laughs> F1 League. <laughs> No, I mean, I do have the if-gap car mentality just like in the game as I do in the highway, but I don't know if that's something I should broadcast. Probably not. All right, well, so I'm assuming you were alluding to the fact of a couple of opinions I saw out there that 
hey, Zanport's not that far. Maybe they should just go race there. Uh, so I I think by the logic of why they couldn't do Spa on Monday, they could also not do Zanport the next day. No, I didn't mean do Zanport Monday. I mean just like they had to pack up and head to Zanport. Uh, oh, I get what you're saying. Because I saw yeah. a couple takes out there like, why did they just race at Zanvoort on Monday instead? It's like, well, because it's a big series and there's a lot of stuff to bring to the next right. track. Yeah, that would be impossible. They've also, they've also never raced at Zanvoort since Nikki Lauda was still driving. So probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that. Yeah, I mean, IndyCar wouldn't even do that. IndyCar wouldn't like get rained out in Gateway and just be like, all right, well, I guess we're going to go race in Iowa tomorrow night instead. Like, that's not how any of that works. So, Frenchie, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, the best answer I saw was actually a reply from Mark Blundell um, to when J.R. Hildebrand was asking the same question of why can't they run the race tomorrow. Um, and he said that it's global TV satellite time and also that spa track is made of national roads. So, I mean, I kind of mm. see, I guess if you have to put some of those roads back, I didn't think it was still like that, that like Lamont where you have to put the roads back to be used as highways. But I well, know it used to be that way because, you know, they used to have the lines painted on the track and everything. But uh, I didn't know that was still a thing. I mean, if it is, we need to get there ASAP. Yeah. Can somebody <laughs> take a picture of that if, if you live anywhere near there? Or can you just travel for us and not accept any money because we're not giving you money and take pictures? The only ones that really pop in my head is Monaco. Any sort of street circuits of so Monaco, Baku, uh, Singapore. I think Albert Park and then yeah. Montreal too, whenever they show back up on the calendar, but it's more of a park and not like a necessity for a person to get to from point A to point B kind of place. So I don't know what, I mean, there has to be a way though. Uh, they have to figure out a way in the regular, because there are probably people who just lost thousands of dollars uh, on this trip, including Lando Norris for wrecking his McLaren. Yeah. Uh, so there are probably people, fans, who lost thousands of dollars traveling to Spa, which is you know kind of one of the crown jewels of the schedule, just to not watch a race and then being told, oh, well, they ran one lap so they get half points. Which could be the next question. Should there have been points distributed to the top 10 qualifying cars? Nope. That, well, was, I guess, that was garbage. I guess let me rephrase the top 10 finish because Perez did qualify in seventh but then crashed on the warm-up lap so that was nice I, I feel like in order for there to be any points in Frenchie feel free to disagree you would have to run you know a couple laps like competitive laps not just like a lap or two under yellow and then the day's over like if you run five or six or three laps and then it has to get red flagged because the rain is too heavy like okay then i can see awarding half points but there really was never an actual race and that's what like i can't get my mind across and i don't understand and i would have rather there's be no points and just move on like this weekend never happened except for the qualifying crash by lando yeah i think i'm with you on that one that because they weren't allowed to basically changed any positions in a competitive manner they were stuck behind the safety car it wasn't actually a race and so the points are from qualifying then i mean that's that's where they came from it wasn't actually a race so i think half points are pretty generous of f1 to give them and then you got the uh tinfoil hat people that's saying that formula one is throwing red bull a bone 
to make the championship spicy again as we just finished round 12 of 22. So, yes, we really need to keep that championship <laughs> close when we have 11 more rounds to go. That's another take I saw that I laughed at. Ultimately, we show up to Spa again next year. Heavy, heavy downpours are expected for Sunday, and you are the rules committee coming into like maybe this off season or whatever. And I don't know where you would start with how to fix this, but how do we fix this for next year? Is this something we have to add in the off season? Is it something that they just have to wing it on the race weekend? How do we avoid this type of situation again? I don't have a good suggestion, actually. Uh, it seems kind of like it's just really poorly mishandled and it's easy to criticize F1 for the way they handled it. But then again, when I sit back and think about it, I don't know if I have the brain to come up with a better solution. I mean, as easy as it sounds to just move the race to another time when you hopefully don't have rain, I know the weather at Spa is super unpredictable, so that's not really a valid solution. I I would say, and I think they're talking in October about... I did did read that somewhere. I I, I don't see it now. I saw it on motorsport.com at some point today. So they're going to talk in October. I think there's you know a week before the Coda race where where they could maybe kind of meet. But if I were the FIA or FOM or whoever, I would just have some sort of contingency in play. Nothing needs to be like set in stone. Just kind of like if A happens, so let's say Sunday is totally a washout, then we go to B, which is race on Monday, postponed to later in the season. I'm I'm not going to make that decision now, but I think there needs to be some sort of guide in place because the only people that were more confused than us watching it was the announcers. Hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I wouldn't mind a postponement. It's just got to be very logistically difficult yes. if they end up keeping the 23 races per year kind of thing going. It's almost like they'd have to, like, put if it's before summer break put one of them in summer break and if it's after summer break and especially if you're one in europe that doesn't that makes it hard so i don't i don't know what the solution is i don't think there's one easy solution that's why there should be like a four part uh, the four is an, an example not like you have to make it four you know you can run through these four different options depending on logistics depending on i don't know covid in a country or you know, travel costs or something like that. Just so just so you have something that you can show fans and teams, Hey, this is what we're trying to do. And here are our options because it felt like they were just sitting in a room, throwing darts at a wall and going, maybe we'll try again in a half hour. Yes. And then we'll stop the clock, which we could have done two hours ago. And then we're going to, we're going to say, we're going to do a weather update every five minutes but really we're just going to keep pushing that weather update back. I was so glad I was on vacation for all of this. <laughs> so I guess the last question I have for both of you is on the level of idiocies, which can be ranked, uh, obviously the U S grand prix. Oh five. There aren't too many other, there's like huge farces that come to my mind. What's there was one year at Silverstone where Pirelli's kept exploding the Giancarlo Fisichella not winning, but then winning, but his car bursting into flames as he pulled in the park for May. Uh, Interlagos, that was kind of a botched job. There's just, uh, Spygate with McLaren and Ferrari, but that was more of a political thing. There was Crashgate with Nelson Piquet Jr., which was 
not something the FIA did at the time. Where does this kind of rank amongst, we'll probably say U.S. Grand Prix is probably the, the benchmark for lunacy in the sport. Where would you rank this race kind of with the U.S. Grand Prix as far as idiocy? I would say number two because there was no communication and there was no clear this is what the next step is. And it's pretty embarrassing when you don't have a plan in place for weather. I think I'd also put it pretty far up there. I don't know if I can rank it because like you've counted down some of them and I'm just kind of chuckling to myself still thinking about some of those. And I would add Dallas 1984 to that list of just what is happening here. But this wasn't really a track problem. This was an F1 responding to conditions that are probably more or less expected problem, in my opinion. So I wouldn't put the blame on Spa at all. And um, that that's why it would rank pretty high, like right there just behind the U.S. Grand Prix in 05, because all the signs were pointing to what might happen, and you just didn't prepare. What was Dallas 84? Was that just extreme heat? Yeah, and the track was breaking up so badly that it was in the heat. It was almost impossible to drive. I think maybe five, six cars, maybe eight cars finished. Because I know uh, that one obviously has the uh, famous Nigel Mansell collapsing while pushing his car to the finish line. Yeah. The Lotus. That, that's that's the correct race, right? So, yeah, that was obviously synonymous with that race. and. That almost sounds like an IndyCar thing to happen. Like, it's too hot, track's breaking up, and, yeah, that seems more like an IndyCar thing. Well, uh, before we move on, so that was very frustrating. I feel very bad for the fans that traveled all that way to witness nothing, basically. Um, Glad Lando was okay after his crash. Alonzo had a visor cam, which is a Formula One invention, so that was kind of cool. And... I mean, yeah, and obviously, like, you know, George Russell's P2 is going to go down with an asterisk, kind of deservedly so, I will say. He had, obviously, hard to say he earned a P2 finish, but he did earn that P2 qualifying effort, so that was a great effort by him and the team, and we will definitely be talking about George Russell here in a second. Uh, to recap our predictions, I had Daniel Ricciardo doing good. Oh, yeah, P4. Love that. Uh, you have Pierre Gasly, it's P6. Uh, it's not as good as fourth, though, so I win that one. Uh, bad, <laughs> I had Vettel, P5. Yikes. You had Ocon, P7. Yikes. So you technically did better, but we both, we both missed on that one. Dark Horse, top 10. I had Raikkonen, P18. Nope. Got to pick them while I can here, I guess. And then Yuki Sonoda for you, P15. Nope. Yeah. I will say Raikkonen is the only person in the field that gained two positions. How did he? How did he gain positions? Uh, well, I'm wondering. Well, obviously Perez oh, went to the back, and then Lance, did Lance Stroll got just a penalty. He got a 10 second penalty for changing his wing under Park Ferme. <laughs> <laughs> because you assume at that point that you're like, and I get it. You're you're thinking, okay, we're gonna run a race at some point, serve the 10 second penalty, and and be on with it. But there was none, so he got a 10-second penalty, and everybody was bunched together, so it totally screwed him over. This mofo got a penalty in a race that had one lap. <laughs> I don't know. I must have missed that. That's funny. All right, and then... <laughs> it was very not... I don't even know if they talked about it on the broadcast. It just kind of like popped up on like some one of the, one of the reporters there 
picked it up and, and said something about it. It was very bizarre. I mean, what wasn't bizarre that, that week, last weekend? I can't wait for my kid to look back on this in like 15 years and be like, oh my god, Sebastian Vettel finished 5th in Belgium and Lance Stroll finished 20th. Lance Stroll is <laughs> so bad. <laughs> There's probably someone out there who thinks that. Finally, Q1 elimination. Uh, we both won. Oh, did we? 16th and back is Q1. Yeah, I had Sonoda 16th. You had Stroll 19th. Unless Stroll got a penalty for some reason. No, he was already back there anyway. All right, well, then we both got it. Look at that. I think that's the first time this year. That's the first time, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Frenchie, who was your driver of the day? My driver of the day? I think it's definitely got to be Burnt Mylander. All right, host? The uh, the guy who drives the medical car that also drove some laps around, and he was really wheeling it around there. And I will go with the person in the Mercedes tractor thing that was spraying water off the track. Goodyear, who was your disappointment of the day? Um, am I allowed to say the FIA. Go ahead. It's your it's your boat. That's definitely my boat then. All right. All right. I will go with the two men with brooms sweeping the rain off the track like it was going to make a difference. <laughs> they were trying, man. They were trying. <laughs> and then I will go with Mick Schumacher for not getting the fastest lap of the race. That's fair. All right. I think that's it though. I don't have much time talking about such no. a sad subject. So let's get. Let's that was out, an impressive twenty this. minutes on on a race that wasn't really a race. I know, right? I that's we, impressive. We talked about the race longer than the race actually ran. Like, if you yes, official time was three minutes and twenty seven seconds. Yes, we we should. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minterdial a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle, or padel as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! We deserve some sort of prize money from the FIA for making a 20-minute segment out of that. Yes. I'm just going to leave it at that. Anyway, before we get to Zanvoort, which is, again, coming up this weekend, <laughs> can't wait to talk to you guys about this Sunday forecast, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> yeah. 
I did like the memes that were like F1 fans almost every weekend. We want to see rain. F1 fans this weekend. Uh, that was <laughs> very enjoyable. That being said, so everybody's pretty much expecting George Russell to move to Mercedes. Okay, we we were reading between the lines, and it's definitely going to happen. And then there's been rumors about who's going to take over his seat. And today, it kind of, I don't know, most of this caught me out of left field. And, and I'll get your guys' take on everything here in a second. But just to recap, what is expected is that Valtteri Botas will go to Alfa Romeo, which I think we've talked about a time or two. That is, We've said Williams, not okay. Alfa. Okay, I've, it's, been, it's been on the internet a time or two. So Bo- Botas will go there. Or who was uh who did you say was was really good friends with Big Frank? Oh, I forget. If you today. said if you said Botas, then credit to you. But you, I remember you saying that insert driver here is big friends with Big Frank. Might have been Albon. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. Somebody somebody out there probably has a better memory than than me about what I talk about. But the so you know that would be for Kimi Raikkonen, see who's expected to retire. But the unexpected is that. Antonio Giovinazzi is also expected to be shown the door, and his replacement is going to be the most recent Formula E champion who also won the 2019 Formula 2 championship in Nick DeVries. So there's that, and then that would leave Alex Albon, most recently with Red Bull, to slide in at Williams. Apparently, whoever's in charge at Williams, the team, you know, the team principal right now, and... Christian Horner have some sort of relationship so they're they're trying to help each other out there with with that one and that comes on the heels of this weekend's announcement that Sergio Perez is back at Red Bull for 2022 so there is no change on that one so I guess you know the the biggest surprise to me is is DeVries to Alfa Romeo and Albon suddenly jumping much further into the Formula One picture than the next for next year than I thought so Frenchie, we'll, we'll start with you on this one. What do you like? What do you don't like? Surprises? Wherever you want to take this, feel free. I think free. it's, as much as I love Kimmy, and he was probably one of the reasons I got into F1 in the early 2000s when I was, I don't know, 10 years old or so. I think it's about time that he retires, and I think, you know, it, it's fair that he's doing that. So that I don't see any problem with that. But Giovinazzi I like. A lot and I think he's got a lot of talent and I don't know if he's had the proper shot at results with good equipment so I don't know if I see that as much um, although I do rate DeVries pretty highly but again he's probably going to have the same sort of teething problems moving over from Formula E back to F1 even though he is a Formula 2 champion uh, Albon is going to be great for Williams I'm pretty sure and I don't see anything wrong with that, but Botas to Alfa Romeo, I don't know. I think I'm trying to separate my personal opinions of Botas as just kind of a lackluster personality um, from his driving talent, because he definitely has driving talent. Um, is it more than a Giovinazzi or a Raikkonen? Yeah, I guess I would say so, but is he going to change everything up there? No, I don't think so. Can we give him the nickname next year, the Angry Beaver? For those of you who don't know, just, you know, Valtteri Bottas has a particular affection for beavers. Yeah. Just go to YouTube. 
Yeah, just go just go to YouTube. This is not something I, I should probably ever say on air. So, Matt? Yeah, beavers are what, like 12 inches long? <laughs> I got nothing. Or at least, <laughs> or at least like beaver tails? I, ain't got, I got nothing. All right, well, yeah, well, this is a prelude to what you may, you might run down a rabbit hole there on the internet. So just, you've been warned. Well, I'll start with Alfa Romeo. I am kind of, well, I get Raikkonen in 19 years. I wonder if he's being forced to retire or they're just saying like, hey, you're not going to have a seat next year. And then Giovinazzi, that one, that one's painful. Uh, I hope he becomes Ferrari's third driver at the very least. But they're making it sound like it's a driver problem when it's not. I can guarantee it's not a driver's problem. Uh, They haven't had too many mistakes this year. The one, Raikkonen hit his front wing at the first lap of, Portimao, I think, and other yeah. than that, they haven't really messed up too tragically this year. So, pretending like it's new drivers are going to make everything better—that's kind of an archaic approach. Um, plus, with the new chassis next year, who knows? Who knows how they could have performed with somewhat better equipment? So, I think it's really stupid that they're getting rid of both of them. Having said that, I think it's doubly stupid that none of their academy drivers are in the running for the seats based on what we've been hearing so far, which begs the question, like we've discussed with Alpine, what is the point of having an academy then? <laughs> if Callum Eilat or if Robert Schwartzman is not in one of those two seats, what is the point of all of it? Why are we funding these kids to run an F4, F3, and F2 if we're not going to use their talents? Yes, you're going to get a Charles Leclerc once every 40 years, and yes, you're going to get a Mick Schumacher every now and then, but you still have some talented drivers down there that can prove something more so than Valtteri Bottas could, angry little beaver. So I am trying to figure out what the logic here of putting Valtteri Bottas in a seat is. I do like the Nick DeVries name floating out there. I think he is a talented individual who can definitely prove himself if given the right opportunity. I think he would be better suited at a Haas, and I don't understand why Mick Schumacher is not being promoted to Alfa Romeo, which is the true Ferrari junior team, not Haas. So none of that, anything, makes sense to me. So that's number one. Number two, happy for George Russell. I think this is going to be excellent for the sport, and I think Lewis Hamilton is going to have his first genuine competition since 2016. And then number three, Albon de Williams could take it or leave it. He's not the worst driver out there. Uh, there's others in that seat that would piss me off more. So that one's fine. Yeah, I agree. And you wonder maybe Albon coming over to the U.S., did he talk to Callum Eilat or Schwartzman or any of these guys and say, listen, there's a lot of good opportunities over there. Maybe maybe he's he can open some doors or make some introductions because I can't see – well, Callum Eilat's not doing F2 this year. I think he might have done one weekend as a fill-in, but he's you know he's doing WEC or some sports cars, and Schwartzman's in his second year of F2, so maybe, depending on his budget situation, I know he's got big backing from somebody in Russia or something in Russia, but, man, I don't, I don't know. I would take that funding I had and at least go to Indy Lights where you stand a chance at getting promoted because... The, I think it's safe to say that the Formula One Academy system is broken. Like I think we just leave it at that. Like it sucks. Like it doesn't work. It's not. It's a place for people to race, and then they end up in WC Formula E, 
extreme e wherever else they end up going down the f- down the chain but anyway we'll we'll end that there i'm sure there'll be more stuff that's coming out it seems like once once the summer break officially ended and the weekend hit we saw perez's contract announcement and there was one other contract announcement for next year Alonso. and i forget who it was yes alonzo that he'd be back for next year so i think things like that will I think we'll start seeing more things in the near future here. But it is Zanvoort weekend, the first time they are back at Zanvoort since Nicky Lauder raced. I honestly don't remember what year the last year they raced there 85. was. Probably in the 70s? 85, thank you. I, I, you said that so quick that like I know you didn't. You just knew it. You didn't even have to Google it, which is very impressive. So this weekend we have the Heineken Dutch Grand Prix. Much I was expecting a very difficult name to say, and I got real excited that I would – have fun with that one. I will go over the times again, like I always do. Times on, e- of course, Matt. The one weekend you were on the East Coast, the same time there was actually no race. Yeah, I think you jinxed it. Is, is that it? That's um, it. every airport in that side of the country sucks, by the way. But that's for the IndyCar episode. Uh, go listen to the IndyCar episode from yesterday if you need more details on that. Yeah, and also you weren't in the Philadelphia airport, so I can't be blamed. I did go to Detroit. <laughs> that airport does suck. No, it doesn't. It's amazing, but I think what it's got the I've monorail had, up top. It's super uh, nice, no, actually. It's it it's nice, but I always have I always have delays there. Oh yeah, that's fair. So practice practice one five thirty a.m. Friday morning. Practice two nine a.m. Friday morning. Qualifying nine a.m. Saturday morning, and the race nine a.m. Sunday morning. The big kicker is the forecast for the weekend. And I know we always say it's five days out when we're recording, so it's Tuesday night right now. Don't worry about the forecast. But after last weekend and then seeing the Sunday forecast, I just feel like a sense of dread <laughs> because it looks very rainy all day. Now, hopefully, I, I let's just keep our fingers crossed on that one, but... Zanvoort, I think, is a really cool track. I don't know how many passing opportunities there are going to be because it is pretty tight when you go through, especially like through Sector 1 there, and as, as you as you enter Sector 2, there's not a lot of room to pass, maybe towards the back half and obviously the straightaway. I don't think there's too much else. I'm, I am looking forward to it, though. It's in, in the F1 game, it's one of my favorite tracks to, to race at. So, yeah, but before we get to predictions... Yeah, I guess one thing we didn't talk about with Spa is kind of more of the modernish era of racing, and at least in Formula One, well, that has to be one of the highest levels of rainfall we've seen. Oh yeah. The only one that really could come to my mind would be that year at Adelaide where they made it seven laps and then had to call it. And I guess if I had to choose that or what Formula One did on Sunday, I'd choose what they did on Sunday because I think everyone and their mother wrecked at Adelaide that year in just six laps. I would hope that we see rain on the forecast. We have to imagine that two times out of, and there was also Malaysia that one year too. So (laughs) was that what you were going to say? No, I have uh, one other comment when you're done. Okay. Uh, There's been like three times that I can remember where it rained so badly that they had to just completely dissolve the race or whatever. So we see rain on the forecast. We got to think good news, right? Like it's hopefully it's not. It's just monsoon. a little bit of like PTSD right now. Yeah. But what I was gonna say is, 
and and I meant to mention it earlier, even though there was a lot of frustration, I don't fault Michael Massey or the FIA for not trying to run any laps because it was way too unsafe to do that. And there were some keyboard warriors saying that these cars are safer than ever. Look at Lando. He got out fine. But that's not the point because we saw the W Series have just a couple drizzle, a couple raindrops on Friday and six cars crashed. Two, two uh, women ended up in hospital. Thankfully, both were okay. There was that WEC crash earlier this summer where Jack Aiken broke his collarbone, I think. So I fully applaud their decision there on this on safety grounds. Everything else was a little bit of a mess, but on on the safety aspect, they did everything correct. It's hard to see the cars when the rain is going that much, so the broadcast wasn't going to be good. And then if, yeah. to be even a little more cynical is my usual cynical self. If, even if we know the cars are going to be safe and people are going to get out of them okay if they wreck, it's just such a waste of money to smash up equipment, and it's not going to be a good race anyway. So it, it made sense why they didn't run, go through with it. Yeah, I, as long as it's as long as they can get a decent racing line, go for it. And if it's just going to be replenished after ten seconds of the last car coming through it, there's just no point. So. Yeah, I ultimately, like, at the end of the day, I agree with the decision not to race. It's just more of a frustration of not having a backup plan that really yes, sucks. I so agree. hopefully going to Zanvoort, maybe they do have a contingency just in they case. They can't let now. that happen twice. So I would imagine that they would have to do something. No, that would be commer- commercially very bad for them if they keep letting this happen. All right, predictions time. I'll, I'll, I'll lead it here for you, Matt. So... Frenchie, you're up first. Who's doing well this week? It's an easy pick, but I think Max has to do well on home soil. Coming back there after, what is it, almost 40 years, basically, since 85, almost 35 years. So he's going to have to do well. Go ahead, Matt. Make the joke. I was going to say, what was it like to watch the last Zanford Grand Prix when you were having your first beer? Well, is it a chance this uh, race is goodier than the last one? That's one I haven't heard before. I have a lot of puns with my last name, but that was actually was more clever than most of them. <laughs> ah, see? Piss off, Mike. All right, you said Max. <laughs> Lame. I will say Vettel is going to keep his top five form going and get a, well, maybe not a top five, but he'll finish well. I will take. Daniel Ricardo is going to continue some positive momentum after a good qualifying. All right, Mr. French. I think bet. Lance Stroll is in a weird slump and is going to continue to do poorly. His form from last week is going to carry over, correct? <laughs> All right, I will say George Russell's new – because what, what do we see here with newly inked contracts? Ocon takes three weeks off. Perez crashes under warm-up. I think the trend's going to continue with Russell. All right, fair. And since... Ooh, I'll take Yuki Sonoda this week. I have no good reason other than I feel like this could be a difficult one for him to, to adjust to. Did he get referenced in our silly season? No, he isn't exactly a lock for next year. No, I d- honestly did not see that. There, it's the hot. It's not a. Un, it's not a confirmed rumor, but there's definitely a lot of chatter going around about that second seat. What's his face from uh, F2? He's in the Red Bull program, Junior. Deruvula. Oh, I don't think it's Deruvula. I think it was. I do. I thought it was. I thought he was a Dutch driver. 
Junior. Come on, Google. Google faster. <sighs> I can't find his name. I'll try. Or Mike, why don't you look up Red Bull Junior drivers for me while I'm do, doing this note-taking here. Who's your Dark Horse top 10 Frenchie? Please don't say, like, Sergio Perez, because I will have to slap you through the computer. Let's say that Dark Horse top 10, we're going to see Latifi continue. <laughs> Had to make a hot take. Wow. <laughs> I respect it. New track, maybe it. some even footing. Who that's, knows? That's ballsy. Unpredictable. Okay, so I will make my pick. I will make my pick. I will go with, let's go with Lance Stroll. And I will say Sonoda. Right. Prove Mike wrong. And I'm proving you wrong. All right. Okay, so Red Bull Junior drivers real quick. There is uh, Jihan Daruvala, and there's also Jack Duhan, who is a Red Bull supported driver, but he is not a member of the Red Bull Junior team. Why can't I find this guy's name? I'm not making it up. It's not a figment are. of my imagination. Yuri Fripps, is that the one? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I said junior. Got Dale on the brain. Uh, Yuri Fripps. Vips. I think he would be positive for the sport, question mark. I don't I know nothing about him, so I'm just gonna take your word on this one as I like his name as ignorant so as that I sounds we'll just to out. say is the only thing I know about him. But yeah. I liked Valtteri Botas' name the first time I heard it. Yeah, and then it was all downhill from there. I was say Williams he's actually kind of fun. And then yeah. Then he it, got his it, obsession with beavers and he got annoying. Ooh, that should be how we end the episode there, eh? Yeah. On that note, Frenchie, thanks for joining. Ladies and gentlemen, have a lovely weekend of racing. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.